0: There is a voice crying out in the wilderness, Repent! The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Leave it to the prophets to call us to repentance. Such unwelcomed words. We're getting ready for a holly jolly Christmas. We're getting ready to welcome the Christ child. Repentance seems like an odd thing to talk about in this season of preparation. Because who wants to be reminded of the wrongs that they did, or the good that they didn't do, especially when this week may have only added some to the list? But as you know, when the wisdom of Scripture doesn't seem to be relevant to the moment at hand, we should look at it again and sit with it a while. So indeed, when the Church invites us to repent in this season, and all that we want to do is sing, it's the most wonderful time of the year, then we would do well to take a moment and consider the value that the invitation to repentance offers. My mother tells a story on me as a two-year-old. If the house were particularly quiet and she wondered where I was and what I was up to, she could simply call my name And know the answer to both questions. Whitney, she would call. And if I was doing something that I wasn't supposed to be doing, I would simply answer, no. (laughs) God knows our wrongdoings before we even acknowledge them. So what good does it do to speak our wrongs to God? How is John preparing a way for the good news of Christ through inviting his listeners into a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins? John is keeping with the other prophets. We read from Malachi this morning, but if we look at Ezekiel, we see this same message spoken. Therefore, O house of Israel, I will judge you, each one according to his ways, declares the Sovereign Lord. Repent. Turn away from all your offenses. Then sin will not be your downfall. Rid yourselves of all the offenses you have committed and get a new heart and a new spirit. For I take no pleasure in the death of anyone, declares the Sovereign Lord. Repent and live. The invitation to repent is good news because it is the means to freedom. It is not God who holds us in bondage because of our sins. It is we who hold on to our sins, accustomed to the limitations they place upon us. We become comfortable with our specific parameters, and we can find ourselves unwilling to change, to repent, because it will mean a new way of being. Will we receive freedom? Yes. Will it be familiar? No. You may or may not know that the Episcopal Church has a sacrament called the Sacrament of Reconciliation. You can find it in the Book of Common Prayer on page 447. It's commonly referred to as private confession. It's not something that we talk about a lot because there really aren't many opportunities to talk about it but I'm going to take advantage of today's lessons to tell you of this beautiful offering of the church. Confession offers the confessor the opportunity to name before God any wrongdoings. It might be that we might say, well, God has already forgiven me for it. Yet we bring it up again when we list our errors or weaknesses. Yes, God may have forgiven you But have you received the forgiveness in exchange for the wrongdoing? The idea is that we lay our wrongdoings at the feet of Christ so that we can hear the truth. As the liturgy says, that the Lord has put away all your sins. When the Lord has put them all away, this means that we no longer carry them. Where we were once holding on to our sin, we now have space to receive the goodness of God. I was invited into this sacrament of confession, of reconciliation, about 15 years ago by a spiritual director of mine. She asked me if I'd ever made a private confession, and I said no. And she said, you know, you might want to consider doing that. And she referred to me a little book. The book is called Reconciliation, Preparing for Confession in the Episcopal Church. I got the little book, and I read it. I followed its instructions and recommendations. And one thing that the author Martin Smith said is, don't edit your list. As it comes to your mind, just write it down, whatever it may be, even if it was back from when you were 10, even if the sin was made out of ignorance or naivete. So I followed his directions and I wrote things down as they came to my mind in the weeks before I was preparing to make my first confession. And one thing he also said in the book is to not be surprised if perhaps you cry during this sacrament. I found this a little odd. I'm not prone to tears, but again, I followed his instructions. And I went to meet my spiritual director. It was during the season of Advent. We went to the little chapel. She took a seat on the side and I knelt at the altar rail we opened up our books of common prayer, and I had my folded list in my hand. And when it got to that point where you're to name all the sins that you've ever done, I unfolded my little piece of paper, and I started to recite them, even the ones that I did when I was 10, out of ignorance, naivete, even the ones I knew I would never do again. And indeed, an amazing thing did happen, the tears did come to my eyes. Not because I was so cognizant of my sinfulness, but because I was so overwhelmed by the love before me. Love was what was there, and it took all my garbage, every piece of it, and in those places where I had stuffed it for many years, love offered to fill those vacant spots. After that first confession I could say that I knew now what people meant when they talked about being born again. I had been changed forever through that sacrament. John calls us to a baptism of repentance. Luke reminds us of the words of the prophet Isaiah. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough ways made smooth, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. I don't know if there's anyone here this morning who builds roads and thus is acquainted with the work of filling valleys and leveling hills. It is difficult labor but I am sure that everyone here knows the effort in shoveling snow or clearing away debris, fallen trees and limbs after a large storm. We know that such effort is essential in order to live. John calls us into a baptism of repentance in order that we might make a way for the savior to come so that our lives might provide the means for the good news of God in Christ to be made known. My friends, unlike those that lived during the time of John the Baptist, we already know that Christ takes away all our sins. Christ lends us the strength to clear a way, to make a way for his coming again. So let us use this Advent season this season of preparation for Christmas, to repent. In doing so, we will make room for Christ to dwell in us. We will discover that as he lives in us, we have a fullness of life. O come, thou long-expected Jesus. O come, O come, Emmanuel. Amen.